All right, everybody, we want to welcome you back to the Duck Pond Wall. Erica, did I tell you the name of the show was the Duck Pond Wall? It's awesome! I love it. I spent a lot of time on the Duck Pond Wall. Everybody does. That's why we went with that name. So the Duck Pond Wall is where we get together figuratively now to catch up with alumni and Today, I'm excited that our guest is Erica Drake McGregor. And by the way, whenever I say McGregor, I want to do my fake Scottish accent, but it's not good. Yes. (laughs) Erica Drake McGregor was here in the late 1990s, early 2000s, and she is a urology nurse in Memphis. And she's going to talk to us about her work and about what she does. And I'm going to make her give us some good advice before she gets off the phone today. Sounds good. Sounds how you, good. How, how you doing, Erica? Thank you for being with us. I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> well, listen, I'm thrilled that I, I thought you would get a kick out of knowing that this morning in a panic, I sent a text to the station manager that asked what words we could use in this conversation <laughs> to make sure we didn't get thrown off the air. Because, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because you deal with some sensitive regions of our, our, I our do. world. I do. Every, so, everything's sensitive. <laughs> every, oh, and so sensitive. Tell me, how long have you been in, in urology? Um, I've been in urology now for three and a half years. Uh, was not planned, got thrown into it, and just kind of liked it. It was, it's, it's not... It's not as bad as it sounds, but it can be. <laughs> I like the but it can be part. But were, were you in nursing before that? I have. I've been a nurse now for um, 13 years. Oh, so goodness. I started out as um, I started out as private duty peds. I did um, geriatric home health care. I did. Um, couple of I did assisted living facilities and um just nursing like broad spectrum nursing like I, I've been all over the place this. well I was gonna say you've been to pediatrics to nursing homes you really P- have- I've been from life life to death <laughs> you really have cradle to grave no kidding well and did you find that you liked one I have a friend who's in speech therapy and I I think she thought she was going to really like working with the little children and it turns out she really liked working with older folks. And so did you have a, an area or an age that you seem to enjoy more or less? I'm, I'm exactly like that. I wanted to, I started out, I wanted to be a pediatrician and um, dealing with the peds. It is, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where you can absolutely love your patient and, hate the family <laughs> and oh. it's it's like that but when you work with Jared like when you work with the, the older people are so awesome oh. like working with the elderly like listening to their stories most of them um most of them are, are ill but most of them just want company and want somebody to talk to like oh. they're either their children are grown and live out of town you, their spouse has passed away all their friends are gone yeah. And they just, they tell you the most amazing stories and they always want to feed you like your grandbaby. So <laughs> it was always snacks and goodies. Like I picked up like 30 pounds doing home health care with the Jared. I was like, okay, the grannies and granddaddies have got to stop feeding me. Like it was ridiculous. But I, I absolutely love working with the older. I really do. 
That's funny. I, I had my godchildren are grown now, but when they were little, we'd go visit older people. And every time they'd say, why do they always want to give us food? And I said, Eat I don't you. know, but they do. They just do. It just makes and it. And it's, 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 it's a comfort thing. They're like, oh, please. And, and don't refuse the food. Like, please just <laughs> eat it. Yeah, no, it's like a personal insult. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, the personal insult. Well, so did you did you grow? You said you worked at Erlanger in Chattanooga before you went to Memphis. Is Chattanooga I, where you grew up? Chattanooga, born and raised. I'm um, born and raised in Chattanooga. I was the longest I was away was when I was at Emory. That was the wow. first time away from home. Oh. That was the longest away from home. So um, after Emory, I went. I went back to Chattanooga um let's see had my daughter who's now 18 and in college but she was uh probably about a year old when we moved right. back and I was like oh we're coming home we're only gonna be here for about five or six years so 18 <laughs> years later <laughs> 18 years later you know she went off to college and mommy was like okay I'm gonna go out west and see what's going on out there so well, That's how I ended you. up in Memphis. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. Well, so, so tell me how you feel about Memphis after being in Chattanooga for such a long time. Memphis is something else. Um, it's I don't know. It's 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 Western. Like it's totally different. I feel like when I left Chattanooga and went to Emory, it was kind of on the same spectrum of things. Everything was kind of low and slow and southern grown, and it was all come like. It's, it's compared, like you would think of, I compare this food, like Chattanooga is more like comfort food and Emory is like comfort food. And then you get out here and this is like Tex-Mex. <laughs> everything, everything is spicy and fast and you don't know if you like it and yeah, it's something. Kind of got to keep an anti antacid handy. Got to keep an antacid. I get a lot of heartburn out here in Memphis. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of heartburn. That's so too everything funny. Everything takes takes Mex and barbecue, and I'm like, I'm give me a green and a biscuit and a bean. <laughs> you know, it's really it's hard to get those things up when you're when you got an active lifestyle. It's really I don't see yes. a whole lot of drive-throughs that offer you you know like a vegetable plate. Not at all. And mm -hmm. if you find one, stick with them. <laughs> I know. I know. I agree with that. Well, so so you say you sort of got thrown into this this world of urology, but it sounds like you like it. It sounds like you're you're into it now that you're doing it. Well, now that I'm, it's one of those things. It's like um, it's like learning how to learning how to skate. Somebody throw you on some skates and push you. It's the scariest thing in the world. And you fall and you scuff yourself up and everything. And once you kind of get the groove of it, you're like, you know what? This ain't half bad. And so I started out in urology um, as an agency nurse. I was working for a little uh, nursing agency out of Chattanooga and in between doing my home health care job. And they were like, hey, you want to go and work at a, a doctor's office? And I was like, well, yeah, I've been in the hospital, been in assisted living, done um, home health. I said, why not? I'll, I'll give a doctor's office a try. They didn't tell me what kind of doctor's office it was. So I got there and they was like, oh, we're a urology clinic. And I was like, so pee. We just doing pee in here. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, and everything <laughs> in between. And I was like, oh, okay. So it has been a journey. Um, in Chattanooga, I worked with um, I worked with the leading 
female specialist in Chattanooga. The first one, the, oh, I worked with two of them. The first one was actually um, Colin Gadlock, Dr. Colin Gadlock, and he specialized in female urology. He moved back to New Orleans um, for family. And then I ended up working with Dr. Henry Okafor, who is basically the only female urologist in Chattanooga that deals with female. He's a urological, they're all urological surgeons. So they all deal with um, surgery. And how's that possible that in the city as large as Chattanooga, they have one doctor that does that? Well, well, it's not like just one doctor, but he's like the leading in female. I guess it's a specialty. Uh, He's the, he's so the, dealing yeah. with, yeah, dealing with female is the, is a specialty. Like up here in Memphis, they have, it's only one female urologist at our practice. And That's she's kidding. a female. Mm-hmm. Well, but, now, I mean, okay, so help me understand that it's, do, are, are most issues in urology about men? Or is it just that women haven't gotten enough attention? We don't get enough attention. And it's not a lot of men issues because women have issues. But, you know, with us girls, they chalk everything up to, oh, it's childbirth. If you've had children, if you haven't had children, that's a woman thing. And a lot of it is not a a woman thing. Some of it is actually a problem or issue that needs to be dealt with. Now, you know, we do have some issues after we have had children. And after the more children that you have, the more issues you're prone to have, but sure. I feel like a lot of our female health and women's health, they just kind of chalk it up to us being a girl. So if a guy goes in and complains about something, that is something we really need to take notice. We really need to take focus because the boys are complaining. Wow. So we kind of get back burned, you know, put on the back burner a little bit, but, well, um, you know, it's really funny. I, you hear about those kinds of things, those kinds of issues in so many arenas. I guess I never thought about it even in like, that area of health. Isn't if you think about it, it's in all just about all areas of health. If if you're doing anything as a woman besides giving birth to a kid, then they're like, ah, oh, it's because you're a girl. Your bones hurt because you're a girl. You're bleeding because you're a girl. You you got this going on because you're a girl. And and you know sometimes it's, it's not a just a girl issue. Sometimes it is. It's a human issue. It's a it's a people issue. Because just like we can have issues as far as like breast cancer and, um, you know, bladder issues such as interstitial cystitis, men can have it too. And see, they don't know that the boys can have it, but it turns into let's investigate this more when when the men have it. So we get more attention when the boys have the things that we have. (laughs) That kind of hurts my heart a little bit. I remember Joan Rivers had a joke years ago that, you know, she could she could be in the floor with a spear through her chest and the doctor would say, what's the matter? Menstrual cycle? There we go. Yeah. And, that's, mm-hmm. and that's, that is how it is in the world of healthcare. And so we have to be, um, we have to be a little bit more vocal about our problems. I actually, I, I actually just came from a doctor's appointment today um, with issues and, and everybody has chalked it up as, oh, it's, it's female issues, it's feminine issues, and it'll pass, and it'll pass, and you need to worry about that. And I'm like, no, this is actually a problem. So you kind of have, you. we really have to be vo- vocal. We have to be forceful about people taking our health care seriously, as far as like women, when just women's care in general. Yeah. Well, and you know, even here's the, here's the part that sort of makes me crazy. Even if it is 
because we're women, it mm-hmm. doesn't make it any less real. I mean, if these are there issues brought on by less estrogen or more estrogen or whatever mm-hmm. they mean by that, it's still real. Right. Right. And see, that's another thing. That's one thing that um, a lot of, and see, it's just, it's probably lack of education because in urology, that is one of the key things that's dealt with. People think that if you have issues with your estrogen or you have issues with moisture or you have issues with this, you need to go see a gynecologist. And it's not necessarily a gynecologist. That is actually a urological issue. If you have a low estrogen and you're not producing enough estrogen to to keep you lubricated, you yeah. go see a urologist and they can manage that, that estrogen, whether it is oral dose estrogen, whether it is a patch or whether it is um, a gel or cream that you insert. I didn't so know that. that is, yeah, that is that are th- those are things that your female urologist deals with when wow. you go see a urologist. Well, now, did you have to do? I mean, you you already had been serving as a nurse for a long time, but did you did you have to do some some special training before you um, kind of stayed in this world of urology? Did you have to go back oh, and do no, something else? They kind of throw you off in there. And you learn as you go, like everything else in the world right now. <laughs> so it was like, hey, you want to go to this doctor's office? And I was like, sure. And they threw me in there. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? And somebody come through and they're like, hey, you do this, this, and this. And learn how to do it. And please do it well. And so there you go. That's it. Um, and uh, I learned, I've learned so much in urology, though, in the past few years, like as far as no, like dealing with my own health and the health of the men and the women in my family, because I'm everybody's favorite family nurse, doctor, practitioner. I said, y'all give me a whole bunch of credit. And I haven't went to school for all these credentials that y'all trying to give me because if they have a problem, they call me. And it doesn't matter what it is, what's hurting, what's bothering them somebody's on the phone <laughs> well I think we'd all rather talk to somebody we know you know it's just right. more comforting to talk to you know your favorite aunt or whatever as opposed to making a doctor's appointment I will or or sister or any niece anybody <laughs> oh. anybody <laughs> but the doctor anybody but the doctor and then usually I end up telling them in the end hey why don't you go see a doctor <laughs> Why don't you come and see my doctor? Why don't you go see a doctor that I know? And so we can get this dealt with so we don't have to keep having these little private conversations on the phone. <laughs> just, to, just to remind everybody who we're talking to today, we're with Erica Drake McGregor, um, and Henry alum and a urology nurse. And she's sharing with us about her work. And I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot now and I'm going to make you share with us because you said you admitted you've learned a lot since you've been doing this. So what, what are a couple of the things that you have really learned that you're like, wow, I didn't know that. And now I'm making sure everybody I know pays attention to this, whether it's, whether it's how to like practice good health or whether it's like something that we should know is kind of a symptom of something we got to get checked out. What's, what's something you've really picked up and thought, wow, that's, that's important to know that everybody doesn't know. So let's see. So from the women's health side, like I said, I started out in Chattanooga with women's health. Now in Memphis, I'm doing men's health. So I'm going to get the whole spectrum of it. And at first I was kind of afraid, but 
you know, I'm growing into it because I'm learning so much. So from the, just the, in general, the urological health side, I realized working in urology for these years that we don't pee enough. Like we don't empty our bladders. We don't, we don't sit long enough to empty our bladders. And I had to explain to like a lot of my women, I said, when you have children knocking at the door, you have a husband calling you, you had a phone ringing. In this day and time, people are working from home. You got to get back to the computer. You got to get back to the phone. I said, we do not allot enough time to properly empty our bladders. And so it increases our bladder capacity over time. And if you don't kind of manage that, it can cause you to have incontinence and you're urinating on yourself. And a lot of people think that as you get older, that just happens with old age. And it doesn't. It's all about muscle control and good bladder management. Good, good, it's good toileting health is what it is. How can we how can we empty it better? I mean, you sort of feel like, oh well, I'm done now. Should you wait a little bit longer and try a little bit harder? Do it. And that's what I was tell I would tell a lot of my ladies that. When you go, when you initially have that urge to go to the restroom and you have, and you feel yourself rushing, um, we are, we often wait until the last minute until where it's like, it's imperative that you go or you're going to go on yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's not correct too. If you are proper, if you're doing property, proper toileting habits, you are bladder training if you go every two hours, whether you need to go or not. Wow. So you need to go. Yep, you need to try to go every two hours if you have to or not. But when you feel that urge to go, when you go and we we sit down and you, you're doing your business and then it stops, we automatically clean up and we get up. And I'm like, don't do that. If you sit there, let's say you got your phone with you because we have our phone with us 100 percent of the time now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, you got your phone with you. Scroll your timeline for about five minutes. And I guarantee your bladder will start again and it will empty again. And for every almost three to five minutes that you sit, it'll empty some more until it's completely empty. And I had to learn that on this job because just like every other job, you're not really allotted good toileting time because you're in between patients, you're running for your provider, you're answering calls. And so you kind of have to time your your toileting. And so over the years, I've learned that, hey, if I take 10 minutes to go to the restroom, I am going to take 10 minutes out of this time right here. I'm going to go. I'm going to completely empty my bladder. I am going to take a breather. I'm going to just get myself prepared. Then it, it, it gives you it gives you a better chance not to suffer from um different urinary issues as far as incontinence. And then there's several types of incontinence and urinary frequency. And you see all the little ads with the bladder pulling you to the bathroom for overactive <laughs> bladder. When yes, you do, that. right, he's just dragging <laughs> your, your bladder, your bladder dragging you around. So I'm like, if you, if you do proper toilet, then you don't have to worry about that overactive bladder because it knows when to properly react. It doesn't, it doesn't just keep, and the reason why it's overactive is because think about it as like a, your bladder is like a water balloon. It, it doesn't stay hollow when, when all the urine is out, it actually deflates. It's like a, it's like a balloon. So oh. when it's, when it's full, your bladder is open and full. When it's empty, it deflates 
like it's a it's like a deflated balloon. And so if you are not emptying each time, let's say each time you go, you're leaving a little bit of water in a balloon and it's building more water on top of that and it's building more water on top of that, then of course you're going to constantly feel like you need to keep going to the restroom because it keeps triggering that because the bladder's never emptying out. What about at night? Depending on like your fluid intake. Like you have to cut your kids off at a certain time to keep them from peeing in the bed. We need to cut ourselves off too. So if we, if you're up nine and 10 o'clock and you're drinking a 20 ounce soda and then you got a cup of bottle of water on the side of the bed that you're sipping all night, of course you're going to get up and go all night <laughs> because you keep filling your bladder. You keep, you're, you're, you keep, you keep doing these things to produce this astronomical amount of urine when you should be sleeping well don't, and that's, that's sort of my next question why don't we know this stuff why 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 do you have to be a urology nurse to suddenly learn these things i mean why don't right. where where should we get these basic bits of information about how things work you know what and that's some that's i guess that's another issue i have with healthcare because there is really no place that you can get general information like that in healthcare. Yeah. Like when you go see your regular provider, your regular general practitioner, or you know your you, you know your PCP, they don't they can't tell you about proper bladder training. If they if they can, most of the time they don't. And in healthcare, it's such a problem focused thing. Like if you have a problem with your heart, then that is the only thing that we're focusing on right now is your heart. Yep. Like yep. your lungs could be going bad, your kidneys could be shutting down, but you came in here and said that you're having an issue with your heart. This is all that we're focusing on. There is yep. no holistic approach in healthcare to where somebody, you have a provider or a practitioner that can take care of you from head to toe. Like, yeah. okay, well, I know you said your heart is, you have an issues with your heart. We're going to check that out. But how's your lungs doing? How's yeah. your stomach doing? How's and your have you emptied your bladder? Have you emptied your bladder? Are you, are you tinkling on yourself? Oh, you are? Well, you're not supposed to be. So let's see what the problem is with that, right? So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a holistic care approach in healthcare. I heard a woman talking the other day. She's a, she's a physician, and I should remember her name. She's fairly famous, evidently. But she's talking about the fact that it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be like some sort of like social justice thing just to know what goes on with your body and right. and and yet it seems to be some deep dark secret it is and if you like just trying to get a copy of your medical record is like an act of congress and i'm yeah. like this is me talking you're talking about me this is my issues why do i have to go through all this red tape to find out what's really going on with me or what you might think is going on with me Right. Because right. you can be you can have put you have, can have put together a conclusion based on some of the things I told you, but you haven't asked me about other things that could also be affecting or could have caused me to have the issue altogether. Right. So it's, my, it's not a whole it's not a holistic approach as far as, you know, people managing other people's health. Yeah. So you got to you got to kind of learn take bits and pieces from every area and that's why i tell people i say when you go for your annual physical don't just stop there get you a cardiologist even if nobody never diagnosed you with a heart problem get your heart checked at least once in your life 
get you a pulmonologist. See a pulmonologist. Get your lungs checked. See a gastro. See a urologist. See what's going on. Hey, you know, I'm having this frequency. I'm having this urge. I'm having this burning. Like so many, it's a large percentage of men and women that have blood in their urine and have no idea. That you don't you know have, it's there? You don't know it's there. Like if it's not, and then the only time that they realize it's there is when it's visible. And then they want to come screaming like, oh, I got blood in my urine. And we're like, you probably been bleeding from your bladder for years. Wow. <laughs> you check these things. You have to check these things out. And so, and then that's another thing. Like we don't, a lot of us don't go to the doctor enough. We don't actually, now I've known, I know people who probably haven't seen a, a provider in years, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And so that allows things to happen. That's it. Yeah. And so um, I have to think about it. my best friend, um, Mateo Palmer, who's a, a Emory alumni, and she's a so she told me something that has stuck with me, like all the years that we went through her breast cancer journey. She was like, cancer doesn't hurt. And it doesn't. She said it does. Cancer doesn't hurt. She said it can cause residual pain in another area. It mm-hmm. can cause you to feel bad in another area. But usually where you actually end up having a cancer at, it doesn't hurt. Interesting. And so we see that with a lot of our guys that come in, they have prostate cancer. Because like I said, my provider here now, Dr. Michael, uh, Michael Granieri, he, um, he specializes in men's health up here in Memphis. And so he, we do a lot of prostate cancer diagnosis, prostate cancer studies. And we have men coming in from age 30-something all the way up to 80-something, and they have prostate cancer. And it is like one of the most curable cancers that you can have, but most of them have had it, for so they don't know because it doesn't Uh, hurt. It doesn't hurt. And then the only time they realize, like, hey, I might need to get this checked is if it starts to affect them sexually or it starts to bother their to get their inability to be able to you know to be able to urinate and then that's when they come in so you come in looking for this side problem or trying to deal with this side problem and then you find out that you have prostate cancer too far down the road yeah so so if i were to say to you please start a podcast for about practical um medicine would you would you consider that because this has been a really fun conversation I think, sure, you, sure. I think you ought to do that. I think you, I think you need to start it. You can, you can make a tail your sidekick. Y'all would be adorable together. And so, yeah, just, <laughs> oh my God. Let me, I could, me and that one can't do anything because everything is funny. And um, we talked last night. Like, she calls me every year. She's called me every year since we've been best friends over 20 something years. She has called me every year at 12 o'clock on my birthday to wish me happy birthday. And I call her Aww. to say, And the whole conversation, we laugh about the dumbest stuff. I think that is, when it comes to medicine, I need to laugh about dumb stuff. So I think this is what's going to make your podcast very popular. I'm excited about it. If if I did it or somebody else did it, we really do need to try to break down the body systems because everybody's trying to go to Dr. Google now. And they're trying to self-diagnose and they're trying to self-treat and they call, you're calling your family nurse or you're calling your family doctor or you're calling your family whoever trying to get this advice. Whereas, you know, if you just know some key points where you can go through a checklist and say, hey, I'm having this, I'm having this, I'm having this. Okay, 
now it's time for me to go see a doctor and I need to go see a specialist in this area that I'm having these issues in. Do you ever see like a, either a book or a website that kind of, that you kind of refer to people and say, you know, or refer people to and say, here's, you know, if you really want to learn more about what's going on with you, you know, this is a good resource for you. Um, as far as the women aspect and also the men too, is my pelvic floor. Um, I think it's my pelvic floor.org. Okay. It's dot org or dot com, but it's my pelvic floor. And it pulls up all these nice little brochures and handouts that tell you about all the different urological issues that you can have. And it also has um, reading material on the different types of surgeries that can be used to treat these things. Like um, most women don't know, but if you after childbirth and you don't do your Kegels and you don't make sure that your pelvic floor is tightening, like you can have pelvic organ prolapse like your your pelvic organs can fall out and it can cause your bladder to sink down into where everything is after you have hysterectomies people end up with pelvic pelvic organ prolapse because you've taken your uterus and everything out and you don't have that proper spacing to be able to support things like your bladder and your stomach and your internal organs and it just causes everything to kind of slide out of the vagina yeah <laughs> this is like a terrifying thought I, I, i'm gonna have a hard if, time sleeping tonight thinking about you, this if you it would be more terrifying if you saw it <laughs> <laughs> i started i started once to ask you what's the worst thing you've seen but i don't want to know I, I don't i don't want to know a vagina on a table <laughs> oh lord <laughs> and okay, the little yes. lady and she was so sweet but she was like i just i don't know what to do with this and i'm like I don't either. Um, let me go get somebody. <laughs> let me go get us some help. Let's get oh, us some help. <laughs> oh, heavenly day. Oh, what a thought. <laughs> so it 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 happens, but like like you said, if you are if you if you don't if you don't know any better, if you haven't been educated as far as in that healthcare, like a lot of women are walking around like that, like for yeah. years. And yeah. they think that this is normal because this is part of aging. And I'm like, no, sweetie, this is not. This this needs help. There is a fix for this. You can fix these things. And it's going to give you a way better quality of life if you do. Wow. That is, that's some good advice to end on right there. That is perfect. And I, I want to keep talking to you, but I know we're out of time. I am going to ask one last question, though. And that it seems like quite a few of you all, I'm thinking about you and Stacey Willard and Lanisha, a lot of you all are in healthcare. Is that an accident or did you all get turned on to some biology when you were at Emory Henry? Well, we are, I think pretty much all of us majored in biology. Majored in biology. I tell you, was a biology major also. So we all kind of, we met up kind of sporadically through biology and I didn't know it like everybody, you know, what branches of healthcare that we all wanted to do, but that is one thing we had in common at Emory. We all, everybody kind of majored in some type of science about health science or science of biology. Yeah. And then, you know, we those awesome Delta Rose. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Those awesome Delta Rose Deltas, you know. Well, thanks of, for getting that plug in. Yeah. I feel so, I feel so golden and, bl- and black and gold yes. now. Yes. We got to, we got to plug, we got to plug the, the black, gold and white. We gotta plug. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap up, even though I would love to keep going. 
Erica Drake McGregor, thank you so much for talking to us about this. And talk, thanks for telling us about your career, but but thank you for giving us some good practical advice about how to take care of ourselves too. You are more than welcome. I, and I don't know about you, Erica, but I really, I need to go to the bathroom now. There we go. It's, it's been two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, all so Thank you all so much for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. This has been a great conversation with Erica Drake McGregor, and uh, we'll have a printed piece on the website, and we'll link to some of the places that she's been talking to today. So thank you all for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.